0: from Luke's book, the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, the crowd said to one another, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And, and, and how is it that we, each of us, hear them speaking in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, all of us hear them speaking in our own language about God's deeds of power. Uh, Amazed and perplexed, they were saying to one another, what does this mean? Still, Still others said, I think they're filled with new wine. The word of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: For a storyteller who can memorize all of those complicated names (laughs) and still... (laughs) and make red pants look good in the process, (laughs) we say thanks be to God. Before I start the sermon this morning, I'd like for us to pause for a moment of silence to join with the world community in remembering the events in London over this past weekend, to remember in that moment of silence a prayer for the victims and their families, as well as an end to terror in the world and a new beginning for peace. We also want to join in the world community in praying for our planet regardless of where you are in your reaction to the withdrawal from the Paris Accord, we remember that our church, the body of Jesus Christ, is to transcend partisanship and partisan politics. And in a moment like this, simply remember the very first command that God gave God's people, which is to be stewards of the earth. And so in this moment of silence, let us pray for peace and our own awareness and healing of the world and its people let us pause for silence amen today god has broken the fourth wall and you have a chance at a new beginning What I mean by that is that every once in a while, as you are watching a television show or a movie or watching a stage performance, on occasion, there is a choice moment when one of the characters who's performing turns and faces the audience and addresses the viewer directly. It's a little jarring at first if you're watching that production, but after a while, it becomes inviting, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden, all of this activity that's been happening before you, that story that you've been watching from a casual distance suddenly sucks you in. And that story, even for that moment, becomes your story. Now, the technical term for this in theatrical speak is the breaking of the fourth wall. It's based on the assumption that when you're watching a stage production, the entire story is unfolding within three visible walls on the stage, and there's a fourth invisible wall that protects you, the audience, from being part of the story. It makes you the casual observer from a distance. But every once in a while, when a character turns and looks at you, that fourth wall is shattered, and for that moment... That story on that stage becomes your story. This is what Pentecost is all about. And this is one of the many reasons why Pentecost Sunday is my favorite holy day of the entire year. Even more favorite than Christmas or Easter because it's here that God has broken the fourth wall and is looking at you. What I mean by that is, for most of the Bible, we're just casual observers of the story, right? We're not living in Old Testament times when if we want to experience God, God is audible to us. God speaks to us with such clarity that you can hear God's voice with the same vividness as you can hear mine. And we're not living in gospel times either, are we? where if we wanted to experience God, we can just look at the literal flesh and blood embodiment of God in Jesus. For those people who lived in the Old Testament and in the Gospels, they were, they were privileged enough to experience God with proximity, with intimacy. But that's not the way we experience God, Right? We have to wrestle. We have to struggle. Sometimes we wonder if God is there at all. Sometimes we think God is invisible or absent or distant from our lives, and that is particularly difficult when we're going through painful and difficult transitions. That's been the theme of these last two weeks, right? For any of you who are going through a difficult transition in your life, a change that has caught you off guard, you might be in the letting go phase. You might be right now in the letting be phase, and all you want is for a new beginning to start. And it would be so much easier if God could relate to you with intimacy, if God could connect to you personally. And that's the power of Pentecost because in this moment, God has broken down the fourth wall. Because the very way that these early disciples experienced God, the very way that the early Christians experienced God in the book of Acts, the very way that Paul and the early disciples would experience God all throughout the rest of the New Testament is the very same way God is still being experienced all throughout history, and even right now. Not audibly, the way you can hear my voice. Not visibly, the way you can literally see the body of Jesus. But through the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that touched the earth 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Spirit who's doing the same things in and among us today. And the way those disciples experienced the Holy Spirit then is the way God can be experienced through the Spirit right now. And just like those disciples experienced a new beginning, so can you. That's why Pentecost is my favorite day. Because it's always a reminder that God is still doing new things in the church. And how is it that the Spirit was evident to those disciples? It won't surprise you to hear that Pentecost Day had three points because that makes it a very convenient sermon for me this morning. (laughs) The Holy Spirit works among us through wind, through fire, and through voice. Think about it. Whenever wind is evident in the Bible... Whenever God moves through wind in the Scriptures, it's always to start something new. It's the very first thing we hear about God. When there was nothing else created, when there was nothing else in the book of Genesis Genesis except for chaos, we're told that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters like wind, and creation was born. Something new began. We're told that when the entire earth was covered in floodwaters at the time of Noah, The moment the Spirit of God, like a wind, hovered over those floodwaters, that's when those floodwaters subsided and new life began. We're told that when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and they had Pharaoh and his armies behind them, and they had this monstrous sea ahead of them, that is when the Spirit of God hovered over the Red Sea like a wind. And God blew apart those waters and the sea bottom became dry land and those Israelites began a new life. What is it about wind? It's invisible, but it's active. You can't see it, but you know it's there. And that same Spirit of God is at work in your life right now. You know, the Hebrew word for wind is the same Hebrew word for breath, the same Hebrew word for air, and it's the same Hebrew word for spirit. God is as close to you as the air that you breathe. And even though God might seem invisible to you, God is active in your life and has been since the very beginning. God is working in you to live a new beginning. Second, fire. How beautiful is it to have this wonderful banner that is adorning our chancel this morning. Our thanks to Flossie Adams and Janet Saunders for putting this together. It's a visible reminder that when the Spirit came down 2,000 years ago, it set the world ablaze, touched down like tongues of flame upon the disciples. What is it about fire? Well, anytime you see fire in the Bible, it's the end of an old way and the beginning of a new way. Think about Elijah, who was standing there on Mount Carmel, being faced by thousands of enemies, and it's at that moment, in that matchup on Mount Carmel, that God rained down fire, vanquished the enemies of Elijah, and proved once and for all that God was the true God. Think about Elijah, again, at the end of his life, how he was swept away in a fiery chariot and brought up to heaven to vanquish the ultimate enemy, the enemy of death, because of the fire that carried him up into God's presence. Think about the book of Daniel, as three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were tossed into a fiery furnace, sure to meet their fate. But in the midst of that fire, God was right there in the midst of them to show them safety and security for their life. Whenever fire occurs in the Bible... It is an indication that God is with you and God is putting away, God is burning away all of the things that do not belong in your life. When I was a biology major in college, one of my projects was to spend several weekends at the Boyd Hill Nature Preserve in South St. Petersburg, one of the great treasures of the Tampa Bay community. And I spent some time studying the habitats of tortoises and turtles and the birds and logging where they were, studying their environment. And then the city would come in and set the entire preserve ablaze, a magnificent sight. If you've ever seen a controlled burn, you know that it's an amazing thing to watch all of the underbrush, all of the trees just burn with plumes of smoke into the sky. But it's not something to worry about. Oftentimes when you hear about wildfires in nature, it's because of adverse conditions like like arson or an accident. But a fire is always nature's way of burning away the decaying, dying matter, the underbrush, all of the stuff that has been cluttering up the earth to prevent new life from springing up. And when a fire occurs, it's always an opportunity for new life to bloom, to spring up from the ashes. That's the purpose of fire in the Bible. That slowly, steadily, surely, God is at work in your life to burn away all of the sinful, wayward, wicked ways that have been encapsulating you, drawing you out, sucking out the life from you, preventing you from living into the grace and love that God has for you. And so on Pentecost Day, God's fire touched the earth to give you a new beginning from all of those ways that have been holding you back. Think about the way that Joel talks to the the, to the disciples, to the early church, and to the Old Testament in these words, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. God still works through fire sometimes before you can experience new hope and new possibility, God needs to burn the old ways away. But whenever there is fire in your life, like in a moment of struggle or suffering or trial that many of us are going through even right now, it is a reminder that just as it says in the book of Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, you will not drown. When you pass through the waters, they will not consume you. And when you pass through the fire, you will not be set ablaze. God is with you in the fire and trial of your life. Well, here's the third and final way that the Spirit was evident in the disciples, not just through wind and not just through fire, but through human voice. It should be no surprise to us that one of the hallmarks of the Pentecost moment was that people could hear other people speaking, in language. When the Spirit of God is at work, we can hear God's voice through the words of other people that we trust and that love us. This this is why you can't be a Christian and try to go at it by yourself. We need to hear the voices of other people, even people that disagree with us. This is why you cannot be spiritual but not religious why you can't be a follower of Jesus and not be in a community of Jesus. This is why you can't make Christianity a solo spectator sport, because Pentecost reminds us that we need each other, the diversity of voices, even people with whom we disagree, to speak to us. And if you're in a moment of your life when you're waiting for God to speak to you, and maybe God is trying to speak to you through the counsel of a trusted friend or a person who loves you or even someone with whom you disagree who is there to speak to you words of tough love but of deep truth. And I want you to know that if today you are in the letting go phase or if you're in the letting be phase, as we talked about last week, Then God is already at work in your letting begin phase. This same God who gave birth to the church and gave a movement, gave birth to the movement of Jesus in the world, is doing a new work in you. Sometimes it's through wind, in very subtle, invisible, and imperceptible ways. Sometimes it's through fire, burning away all of the old ways of your past. Sometimes it's through audible ways, such that even though you may not be able to hear the words of God, when you hear the words of other people, you can hear the voice of God. About a thousand years before Pentecost, there was a shepherd boy, a shepherd boy who became king. When David wrote the words of Psalm 16, he was going through a time of deeply significant struggle and transition in his own life. We don't know the exact circumstances of what that difficult transition was. It could have been that he was fearing for his life when Saul was trying to kill him. It could be that he was grieving the loss of his dear friend Jonathan. Or it could simply be that he was going through pain and trial very much like you are going through right now. Regardless of the nature of his struggle, what we hear in Psalm 16 is his conclusion. These words from the psalmist reiterated his faith in God to be with him in the midst of a new beginning. This is what he said I foresaw that the Lord was always with me because he is at my right hand, and I won't be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my body will live in hope because you won't abandon me to the grave nor permit your Holy One to experience decay. You have shown me the paths of life, your presence will fill me with happiness. I'm going to leave those words on the screen for the rest of the sermon because something happened with those words. A thousand years later, after David, those words were spoken again, not by David, but by another man who remembered David's words, a man who had made a lot of mistakes in his life, a man who was frightened and alone and confused, a man who was very much like many of us today. But God showed up, God showed up for that man through wind, and through flame, and through human connection. And as a result, Peter was never the same. And when Peter got up on that very first Pentecost day to preach the greatest sermon of his life, a sermon that was fully recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, Peter took a moment in the middle of that sermon not only remember David's words in Psalm 16, but to quote it verbatim. These are the words that Peter claimed for himself, that he offered for the early church, and these are the very same words that you can claim today. The words of David, the words of Peter, these words of the Spirit for you that remind us that God is always with you, that you will not be shaken that you can be glad and rejoice because your body can live in hope and God will show you the path of life and God will fill you with happiness. And So to close out our sermon today and to prepare our hearts for the receiving of communion, let us claim these words in unison as our closing prayer. Let us pray. I foresaw that the Lord was always with me. Because He is at my right hand, I won't be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my body will live in hope because You won't abandon me to the grave nor permit Your Holy One to experience decay. You have shown me the paths of life Your presence will fill me with happiness. And may the God of wind and flame and voice grant you a new beginning indeed. Amen.